WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, June 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, just a beauty, high 81. Tonight, overnight, clear low 65 and then friday we'll see some afternoon showers high 80 if you're walking out the door with us right now 59 partly cloudy in croton on the hudson up in westchester county 58 and clear down in lambertville new jersey and it is 60 and clear here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hours sid and friends in the morning that was an intense couple minutes yesterday maybe it was 10 minutes when those storms blew through we got a warning from the national weather service that there could be some severe storms blowing into the area but it was quick but it was so intense did you see there were lightning strikes like really intense ones at least in my neighborhood and then uh and in fact a a maintenance worker in Woodbridge, New Jersey, a groundskeeper, he got struck by lightning. The uh, unbelievable part is he actually survived it. We'll get into that story. And then I heard just this piercing loud sound as the rain was just pounding down, and I could not figure out where it was coming from. And I opened the front door of my house, and I realized it's coming from this new storm drain that they had built on my block because we had some flooding issues. And I'm like, oh, no, the water, for whatever reason, is not able to get into the storm drain. And we might be getting this back into our basements like it happened a while back. So I run out there and there's just all kinds of garbage there, like tree limbs and pieces of garbage. And I don't know if that's on purpose. It's supposed to make that piercing sound. But boy, was it loud. And everybody's kind of looking out their door. I ran out. I just pulled out whatever I could. And then the water started flowing in. I ran back inside. But from our window, you could see uh, a couple of the lightning strikes. I mean, you could see they were hitting either in the city or on our side in Jersey City. Uh, but it was an intense 10 minutes. And then how weird was that? It went away. And then it was. It couldn't have been more beautiful. Breezy, sunny the rest of the afternoon. Then we got a little more rain last night. But uh, it was 10 minutes of a little bit of panic anyway, at least in our neighborhood. All right, let's get into the big headlines. The top five at five. A grand jury indicts Daniel Penny. Some New York towns say they're ready to take on more migrants. A three-year-old gets his hands on a gun in Trenton. A New Jersey groundskeeper survives a lightning strike. And a Long Island boy and his deer both go viral. All right, let's get into it. 503, we'll start with Daniel Penny. He's been indicted by a grand jury, Lower Manhattan, in the death of Jordan Neely on a subway train last month. Charges unsealed yesterday. He'll be, uh, well, the charges will be uh, unsealed, I should say, when he's arraigned on an indictment date that will be later, likely mid-July. He was initially arrested on manslaughter charges in Neely's death. The former Marine was recorded holding Neely, a 30-year-old homeless man, in a minutes-long chokehold on an F train on May 1st. I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying, saying these threats. 
I couldn't just sit still. Daniel Penny talking to the Law and Crime Network saying he had to do what he had to do to save the people around them. They felt threatened. Following the indictment, Penny's attorneys say they pledged to aggressively defend their client. It wasn't just my my client who expresses, you know, how terrified he was by Jordan Neely's actions on the subway train that afternoon. His words and that terror is corroborated by multiple uh, civilian witnesses, innocent bystanders who were on the train. Of course, many believe the case exposing New York City's failure to address subway safety and mental health. Lots of people with mental health issues, unfortunately, riding the trains. Neely's lawyers have said all along that he never received, Jordan never received the help that he needed. And that is well probably true. No one on that train asked Jordan, what's wrong? How can I help you? He was choked to death instead. So for everybody saying, I've been on the train and I've been afraid before, and I can't tell you what I would have done in that situation, I'm going to tell you. Ask how you can help. Please, don't attack. Don't choke. Don't kill. So uh, Jordan Neely apparently had 44 interactions with mental health professionals, but was somehow still on the streets. Some worry that Penny cannot get a fair trial in New York City because the case is so well known. But Penny's lawyer is actually pushing back against that, saying they want a jury box filled with strap hangers who know what it's like to ride the subway every day with people who have mental health issues. Penny claims his actions had nothing to do with race. And again, we may not know all about this case until this is uh, indictment is unsealed. May not happen until mid-July. WABC News Time 505. Uh, another big story over the last 24 hours. We haven't talked about the migrant issue, but it's still those buses are still rolling in from the U.S.-Mexico border. And New York City is sending migrants to other cities as the surge rolls along. Housing Preservation Commissioner Aldolfo, uh, Aldolfo Carrion says roughly 1% of the new arrivals have been sent to other parts of the state, including White Plains and Albany. The city is providing transportation to these locations where New York City is paying for a number of services at no expense to the local counties. Or cities. So carry on, says uh, New York City, covering those expenses, encouraging other municipalities to take on what he calls their share of the migrants. Some local officials, like those on Long Island, have resisted. Rockland County, the same. They don't want these new arrivals. But up in Albany, Mayor Kathy Sheehan is uh, calling on the federal government to expedite work authorization since her city is dealing with a worker shortage. So she says, okay, send the migrants here, but let us put them to work once they get here. So that while they are here awaiting their court date, they are able to legally work. That is a critically important element that we think will help protect them and help our communities. Up in uh, White Plains, Mayor Tom Roach, same thing, has rolled out the red carpet for these migrants. Uh, they are being bused there, but he also wants to put them to work. The federal government has taken a long time to talk about immigration reform without doing anything about it. And the consequences are here. And when you're a mayor, when they come, when they're in your city, you have to deal with it. There's no one else. WABC News Time 509. We're talking about the migrant issue, which is a huge one here, but you can imagine it's much bigger down in Texas. Texas Governor Greg Abbott sending a bus with more than 40 migrants to Los Angeles over the last couple of days. The LA City Council members ripping Abbott in response to that move. The governor of Texas is using human beings as a political stunt. This is obviously, uh, you know, he's obviously a, 
a person who's been elected that is not strong enough to meet the moment in his state. But Abbott says he's just overwhelmed. Texas has been overrun, overwhelmed. And he says Los Angeles calls itself a sanctuary city, so he says they should help out. We receive um, hundreds of thousands of folks here, and we're, a, we're an immigrant immigrant state. But we, we receive people with humanity, with dignity, and understand that these are individuals who are being persecuted. Yes, yeah, some L.A. City Council members say they recognize their sanctuary city, so, so they'd welcome these migrants in from the Mexico-Texas border. We'll keep pushing for our sanctuary policies to make sure that immigrants and migrants know that they are safe here, that they are welcome here. And there are some concerns that illegal immigrant kids caught at the border are being shipped to sponsors who treat them like slaves. That's from Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn. He used a hearing yesterday to highlight reports of children forced to work at meat processing plants. This is the first I've heard of that. President Biden does not care about the fate of 300,000 plus unaccompanied children that have been placed with sponsors since he became president. So instead of loosening vetting requirements for sponsors, the GOP wants illegal immigrant kids sent back to their home country. Since the start of the Biden administration, there has been a 357 percent increase in unaccompanied minors caught at the southern border. President Biden and his administration can't tell you where these children are, what they are doing, what is being done to them whether they're being exploited for labor, whether they're being sex trafficked, whether they're being abused or neglected. And down in Washington, congressional Republicans continue to attack the head of Homeland Security over his handling of the southern border. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was not at a hearing yesterday. So instead, they heard from the former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott. How many human trafficking incidents went undetected because our law enforcement personnel today are being instructed to process aliens like a fast food drive through Yeah, Democrats on the committee blasted what they called partisan rhetoric. You can replace things that get stolen, but the real threat is the unknown person hiding in your home when you return. To think that terrorist networks and hostile nations are not exploiting this vulnerability is naive. Yeah, uh, Border Patrol, of course, worried about who is crossing that uh, porous border. 511, Attorney General Merrick Garland defending the special counsel at the center of Donald Trump's federal indictment. It underscores the Justice Department's commitment to both independence and accountability. Garland refusing to comment directly on the case, though. He has assembled a group of experienced and talented prosecutors and agents who share his commitment to integrity and the rule of law. The Trump family, of course, continues to push back against this indictment. It was Donald Trump on night one after he appeared in that Miami federal courthouse yesterday. It was Donald Trump Jr. who was on Katz and Cosby. He says he thinks the U.S. is becoming like a third world country after political opponents jail people they don't like. If we had a real media uh, rather than just, you know, propagandists for the regime. They'd be calling it out. If this was going on in a third world country, Rita, we'd be talking about invasion to preserve democracy or something like that. But it's happening right here in our backyard. I mean, that's the I guess the one saving grace is that it's in uh, Miami. You know, they tried doing the nonsense with the stuff up in D.C. initially, but then they eventually have to move it there. But the people of Venezuela, the people of Cuba, those who have escaped those regimes, 
They see what's going on around here. There's a reason. And then you had Mike Pence uh, yesterday, of course, who's in the race for the White House. Everybody who's in the race for the White House trying to sort of figure out how to play this story, the indictment story. Mike Pence isn't sure whether he would pardon former President Trump if he was convicted on federal charges. That's assuming Mike Pence made it to the White House. These are serious charges. And as I said, I can't defend what's been alleged, but the president does deserve to make his defense. And Pence argued that no one knows for sure what Trump's defense is yet. Look, we either believe in our judicial process in this country or we don't. We either stand by the rule of law or we don't. And back here in New York, New Yorkers just trying to sort this all out. Another Trump indictment and what it means for his bid to get back to the White House. Here's some New Yorkers. He's the one being targeted. Basically the guy that they're, they're putting on stage. Bad press is good press. I hope it impacts his campaign a great deal. And the man is just despicable. Trump calls the charges, of course, fa- uh, fake and fabricated. New Yorkers, again, split on that. I don't think he did much wrong. I think they're just going after him for whatever because they don't want him to be president. I think he did some bad things, but I think the people that are diehard for him are still going to vote for him. And despite a federal indictment, former President Trump still top Republican voters, top pick in a new survey. Quinnipiac University pollster Tim Malloy says Trump leads Florida Governor Ron DeSantis by 30 percent or it's 53 to 30 percent of respondents saying they'd vote for Donald Trump. He's got a solid base. He's not strong with independents. Clearly, Democrats don't like him. It's not locked up in any way. And then in a match, if it gets to this, President Biden versus Donald Trump, uh, Biden still holds about a four percent lead over Donald Trump. Very closely followed by him. I've not seen this before. Preserving the democracy in the United States. Americans right now are very afraid of what all this is going to lead to. If if the election were held today, it would be Trump and Biden. Biden might win in a squeaker, but a heck of a lot of golf to play, as they say. Yeah, sure does. we got a lot of time until 2024. 5.15, let's head over to the 77W ABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Happy Thursday, Justin Ellick. Uh, It's Friday Eve. Oh, Friday Eve. You're right. You're right. We did last Thursday, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, happy Friday Eve to you as well. The Mets, they got their revenge on the Yankees last night in the finale of this season's first leg of the Subway Series, still in a 4-3 win in 10 innings from the Yanks to secure just their second win in their last 11 games. The matchup of Garrett Cole versus Justin Verlander surely did not disappoint, with the pair combining to allow just two runs in 12 innings pitched with 14 strikeouts and zero walks. Once the game was in the hands of the bullpens after six, though, this game was completely up for grabs until... Brandon Nimmo said enough is enough in the bottom of the 10th. Nimmo, right field, deep. That sends Bowers way back. Still going back. It's off the wall. Escobar, a slow start at second base. He's being waved in. Here he comes. Nimmo does it. And the Mets walk it off. That call courtesy of ESPN as the dust settles from an exciting couple of days at City Field. The Mets sit at 32-26 and 26 overall and 10 games back of first place in the NL East. While the Yanks are at 39-30, and 30, which is good for third place in the AL East and nine back of the first place Tampa Rays. Both teams get treated with an off day today before the Mets welcome in the Cardinals and the Yankees head out to Boston. The Oakland Athletics are sticking in the MLB here. Cleared a major hurdle for their planned relocation to Las Vegas after final approval was given yesterday to public funding for a portion of a proposed $1.5 billion stadium with a retractable roof, might I add. 
The deal still needs the governor's signature, and MLB still must approve the A's move from California to Las Vegas. But both of those moves are expected. And another weekend here of major championship golf to look forward to as well with the 2023 U.S. Open set to get underway today at Los Angeles Country Club. It's the first time the Country Club is hosting such an event. Tea times begin later on this morning, no, at 9.45 a.m. Here's sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Alec. WABC News Time 519. Getting some more details about this boat that capsized off the coast of Greece. Dozens of people dead after a fishing boat carrying migrants capsized in the Mediterranean near Greece. It's believed the vessel was heading towards Italy and then it began to sink. Uh, hundreds were on board. The number we're getting, and these things always change, unfortunately, and they go up, but at least 78 people have died. More than 100 were rescued. None of the rescued were wearing a life jacket. Of course, there's more details on this ship that capsized comes in. We will pass them on to you. 520, let's go down to Washington. The White House taking a subtle jab at Fox News after the network ran a chyron referring to President Biden as a wannabe dictator. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about that, Chiron. There are probably about 787 million things that I can say about this that was wrong about what we saw last night, but I don't think I'm going to get into it. So the comment was a reference to the $787 million Fox paid Dominion voting systems to settle that defamation lawsuit over false claims about the 2020 election. The on-screen text appeared Tuesday during footage of Biden's remarks from the White House the same day former President Trump was uh, charged with federal crimes. Fox News issuing a statement on the Chiron yesterday saying it was taken down immediately and addressed. The network did not elaborate any further. While we're in Washington last night, President Biden said he's going to shine a light on the threats being posed by climate change. There's a lot of threats our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren are going to face. This is the only truly existential threat. If we don't meet the requirements that we're looking at, we're in real trouble. The president says over the past two years, a third of Americans have been personally affected by extreme weather events. Over the past two years, a third of Americans have been personally affected by extreme weather events. I just said that. One third. Folks, this is what climate change looks like. Only it looks worse if we don't do something now. Yeah, he vowed to continue his efforts to improve environmental conditions highlighted by last year's passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Down to Louisiana. Cops there trying to shed some light on the strange case of a 28-year-old woman who was caught pretending to be a teenage high school student. Remember this happened in New Brunswick a couple months back? Every once in a while. And it's always bizarre. No, it's usually somebody who's just obviously a little unstable. We have no information that there was any nefarious purpose other than the young woman wanted to become proficient in English and perhaps further her education, which I think we can all be sympathetic with. So Martha Guterres Serrano was enrolled using a fake passport birth certificate, which showed she was 17 years old. Both she and her mom now facing criminal charges. The information we got about the reason for her doing was this was simple. She wanted to learn English. She was in school. She minded her own business. She did her schoolwork. She caused no trouble. She was not a disciplinary problem. 
And I think the one from New Brunswick, if I'm not mistaken, she was from Singapore. While we're down in Louisiana, New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell defending her decision to spend taxpayer dollars on first-class airfare to go to a climate change summit in South Korea. I am more protected mentally as well as physically flying first class. Okay. The uh, trip was not cheap. The mayor's fancy seats combined with seats for her communications director, head of security, cost taxpayers. Are ready for this? $34,000. It's not the first time, by the way, her travel plans have made headlines. She's flown first class several times to sign sister city agreements. This is something that is not a luxury. It is something that I deem necessary. My guess is the taxpayers in New Orleans might disagree with Wanting that. to make sure that I protect me, meaning peace of mind, the safety and the like. Hmm. All right, 523, the White House. Accusing Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville of putting the nation's security at risk. The Republican is blocking more than 200 routine military promotions in protest of the Defense Department's new policy to pay travel costs for service members seeking abortion or other reproductive care. These are important nominations that the American people need to keep our country safe. They risk our military readiness by depriving our armed forces of leadership. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, they're calling the move shameful, says lawmakers should not play politics with military readiness. All our military nominees that Senator Tuberville is blocking need to be confirmed quickly. 524, the chair of the Fed says inflation has moderated, but apparently there's still a long way to go. We understand the hardship that high inflation is causing, and we remain strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal. Yesterday, Jerome Powell speaking about the Fed's decision to leave interest rates unchanged for the first time, well, more than a year. Most officials anticipate two more rate increases to come this year. The Fed has raised rates by a total of 5% since March 2022 in an effort to battle rising inflation. Uh, Jerome Powell says on some levels it's working. The FOMC has significantly tightened the stance of monetary policy. We've covered a lot of ground, and the full effects of our tightening have yet to be felt. Yeah, Powell says, hold on, uh, inflation will go down. In light of how far we've come in tightening policy, today we decided to leave our policy interest rate unchanged. 525, let's uh, bring it back home. Uh, out to Long Island, a teenager charged with bringing a gun to Freeport High on Long Island. The school principal initially notified about a photo of a 16-year-old student holding a gun inside a bathroom in the building shared on social media. The student arrested. It's the latest in a string of recent weapons being found at schools on Long Island. Very frightening. It's really scary. I graduated not too long ago, and if somebody had a gun in school, I'd be really scared. Scared for me, my peers, my brother. Three students arrested at Riverhead Middle School after police say knives and a BB gun were found. There in March, a 12-year-old stabbed. Do you remember this? A 13-year-old at Lindenhurst Middle School. It's really becoming out of hand now. Where are the weapons coming from, and how are they getting in the hands of the students? So the student in the Freeport High case has been charged with criminal possession of firearms on school grounds. Last night, Long Island parents upset about all this found uh, themselves at a school meeting in Riverhead. Uh, Riverside Middle School over the past few days has discovered guns and knives. These parents demanding answers at a school board meeting. Since Friday and Monday, 
things really are concerning. Are these the only weapons that are in the school? These are the ones we know about. And what about all the ones we don't know about? Yes, yeah, so now some saying maybe you need a metal detector, better security. Riverhead District Superintendent tried to reassure parents. But he also said when it comes to school safety, they'll need to step up, too, and check backpacks. And then, of course, talk to kids about what you should be bringing in and out of school. Discuss about checking backpacks and really asking children as to why they may be feeling certain ways. Yeah, awfully frightening that that kind of stuff is going on in any school. We are just getting started on this early Thursday morning as we work our way up to 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Before we head out at 6 o'clock, we'll tell you a wild story about a Woodbridge Township, New Jersey maintenance worker who was hit by lightning and thankfully is still around to tell his story. Somehow, a three-year-old Trenton boy got his hands on a gun. It did not end well. Uh, and a Long Island boy and his deer, they both go viral. We'll get into those stories and more, but first this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Cut to the chase with Laura Curran. Nikki Haley, who really is working hard. She's doing a ton of town halls and road shows and talking to people. Uh, I'm just wondering, I mean, I, you know, she, as, as we noted, she's at 3% at the latest poll, CBS poll. Um, and, and she's changed how she calibrates herself around Trump so many times. You know, she was one of those new generation, no Trumper types when he was first running in 2016. But then she served under him as U.N. ambassador and defended him and uh, defended Trumpism, left in good graces. Now she's running against him. You know, like, will the real Nikki Haley please stand up? Who, what, what do you, who are you actually? Or is this just all cynical posturing to appeal to who she thinks she needs. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, June 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, a beauty. High 81. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 65. Friday, going to see some afternoon showers. High 80. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 59, partly cloudy in Croton on the Hudson up in Westchester County. 50 and clear in Lambertville down in New Jersey and it's 60 and clear and the sun's starting to come up right here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour in Woodbridge Township, New Jersey. Were you out and about when those furious storms came through yesterday? It was quick, right? Seemed like minutes maybe and uh, then the sun came out but while those storms were happening it was furious. A public works employee in Woodbridge Township, lucky to be alive. He was working uh, outside a school there when the thunderstorms popped up in the area 
Eric Baumgartner is his name, 18-year veteran of the Woodbridge DPW and Parks Division employee. He was repainting lines on the school's soccer field. I mean, he doesn't get any more exposed than being in the middle of a soccer field when he was hit by a single bolt of lightning. And people nearby heard the crack of that lightning, and they knew probably something good had not taken place. I was like, what is he doing out there? It's pouring out there. And then right when I got into my kitchen, and that's where when I heard the boom and then I saw the guy went down mm-hmm. flat on the on the ground and he's not moving did see a very large lightning strike and I you know I said to myself wow it seemed really close and it was Baumgartner's co-workers called 911 to report the emergency the amazing work of a Woodbridge police officer name is uh, his name is Robert McPartland he uh, is also a certified EMT and just happened to be nearby. He arrived on the scene with in minutes and he found the 39-year-old uh, unresponsive without a pulse. He began administering chest compressions to bring him back. Uh, I mean, truly a hero in that moment. Uh, and Eric Baumgartner will have him to thank when all said and done. He was put into an ambulance, taken to the hospital. Everybody, of course, incredibly concerned. Some burn marks appeared on his hands, realized he didn't have a pulse, and began CPR. Uh, it was apparent that he was struck by lightning. Uh, he was still holding one of the machines. We were able to get that away from him. When more units arrived, we were able to get the AED hooked up to him and start breathing for him. Once we were in the ambulance and he did get a pulse back, he did slowly begin to gain consciousness. Was in the back of the ambulance, and I was able to speak to him. Yeah, Baumgartner's pulse returned, thank God. Conscious alert as he was transported to Robert uh, Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick. And we're being told this morning he's in stable condition. <laughs> sort of unbelievable. Struck, bolt of lightning, middle of a soccer field, and he's going to live to tell his story. We like the ending to that. Unfortunately, not too far away in my hometown of downtown Trenton, New Jersey, a three-year-old boy somehow got hold of a gun yesterday afternoon and then shot himself. He died. Police say the incident happened on Princeton Avenue, child taken to Capitol Health Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Of course, neighbors asking the obvious question. What was a gun doing out in the house? Were their parents around? Lots of questions still. I think the parents, they're probably beating themselves up right now. But at the same time, it's also that they're at fault for it, you know. So they can't sit here and be all sad when they knew it was in the house. Why was it there? Why was it there? It shouldn't have been there. And if you are licensed to carry, it should be in a locked case and they should not have any access to it. It's unclear how the child got a hold of the firearm. Uh, Unclear at this hour who it belonged to. It's also not known if any charges will be filed. We watched yesterday as police uh, officers went in and out of this house over and over again. And neighbors say, you know, just so tragic. They knew who this three-year-old kid was. If you want to have a fine, if you do it the correct way with licensing, etc., training, and, of course, put, you know, securing the weapon. But, yeah, there's no reason for a three-year-old to be able to have access to guns. Trenton Mayor Reed Gussasiora writing in a statement last night that the city's grieving for the child and the child's family. WABC Newstime 539, a crazy scene in Harlem yesterday. 
a speeding car crashing into uh, other cars. Four people hurt, one of them critically. Video shows this BMW just flying down West 119th Street right before the crash on Lenox Avenue. Eyewitnesses say the impact caused the BMW to catch fire. Everybody racing in to try to save this driver. It was flying. I've never seen nothing like this ever, ever around here. As I got closer, I just saw all the cars that was actually hit. And from what I understand, the driver had a seizure while he was driving. Two men uh, and two women hurt, including the driver of the BMW. One of the women in critical condition. Uh, People in the neighborhood say people speed through there all the time. They've asked for a speed bump on West 119th Street, have not gotten it yet. Uh, In the case of this driver, we just don't know if something happened. They had some sort of attack that has not been confirmed by the police or the FDNY, but it did not end well. I was looking at the guy who was still inside the car. He was like, just frozen. See the fire is coming out. I went to the store and I grabbed the, the fire stage. So we tried to take the, the guy out. He was passed out inside. So far, police have not announced any charges against that driver. Over to Brooklyn with a story that has been developing over the last couple of days. A mother was stabbed in downtown Brooklyn earlier this week while trying to protect her young child. She was pushing this kid in a stroller, broad daylight, uh, three-year-old in the stroller when just out of nowhere, this woman, uh, LaQuasha Lawrence, comes up to her, gets into some sort of battle with her. And uh, this mom was so worried about her three-year-old daughter that she kind of put her way, her body in front of the stroller to protect her child. And that's when police say LaQuisha Lawrence started stabbing her. It's terrible. It's kind of nuts how much something like, like walking down the street can affect like your life. She's a brave mom. Yeah, you just don't know when it's going to come out of nowhere. This woman, Lakeisha Lawrence, apparently yelling at this mother, why are you looking at me? I'm going to stab your kid. That's when the mom got in the way of the stroller to make sure she attempt to, uh, could protect her daughter. She was stabbed in the chest. She was stabbed in the arm. Uh, this woman, they caught up with her. She was wearing some sort of blonde wig. Uh, she pulled out a knife, started stabbing the mom. Uh, thankfully, the mom is going to be okay. It's going to be a while till she's up and running again. Uh, and thank God police have caught up with this woman who attacked her. Now, it's any neighborhood, any time, any time of day. I could be just walking down the street and someone just goes off and you're not even prepared. Yeah, that is the crazy part. Just completely unprovoked attack. This woman, the mom who was trying to save her child said she would just walk along the street when she was attacked by this person that she had never seen before. 25-year-old Lakeisha Lawrence in police custody at this hour. Thankfully, the toddler was not harmed. The mother were told eventually he's going to be okay. 542, this is crazy too, up in Newburgh. A mom who entrusted her care of her child, a three-year-old, uh, uh, says the babysitter who was taking care of her kid was abusing her. The boy's mother sharing her story with CBS saying the abuse was all caught on surveillance camera. Krista Holmes says she was appalled uh, opening up her phone this week. Uh, she got an alert that the cameras were rolling. And when she looked at the camera, she saw that the babysitter, Chantel Mason, was on the couch with her son 
had him covered in a blanket and it was repeatedly slapping him on the back. My camera is all the way over here. You can hear those smacks all the way over here on my couch. You see her foot laid on his head, on his butt, while she just lounging on my couch. She just told me she he just woke up. She fed him. He's laying on the couch watching TV. So when I checked the camera, that's not what he was doing. He was hysterically crying. You can imagine Mason uh, Holmes raced home. Mason, the babysitter, longtime family friend who had watched over her kids before. She said she would never have guessed she would do this to her son. It was a ring camera, by the way, that was rolling that caught all this, that detected the motion, alerted her that the camera was rolling. Holmes rushed home, called the police who arrested and charged Mason with endangering the welfare of a child. And Holmes says she's uh, Krista Holmes says she's telling her story because she says other parents, you know, you're trusting people are taking care of your kids, even people, you know, that maybe you, too, should set up some sort of ring camera or some sort of device that's watching what's going on at home when you're somewhere else at work or shopping. She deserves to be in jail. I want her in jail. You can't trust nobody. You can't trust your kids. Godparents, you can't trust a long friend. You can't trust nobody. Watch your own kids. Protect your own kids. Yeah, terrible story. 544, funeral services taking place tomorrow for a New York State police captain from upstate Peru who died from 9-11 related illnesses. Awake for Captain Christopher Garo is going to be held this afternoon. Hamilton Funeral Home in Clinton County in the county of commu- uh, community of Peru. He passed away from his illness stemming away from his desire to be on the ground after 9-11. So many people went there believing that they were just working. And too many of them have died. Governor Kathy Hochul attending uh, the wake yesterday will attend the funeral at St. Peter's Church in Plattsburgh tomorrow. Uh, Garrow died Monday from an illness tied to his work at Ground Zero in the days after the 9-11 terror attacks. Uh, Too many of those people have passed away. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Here's Justin O. Thank you, Gnome Laden. The Mets get their revenge on the Yankees last night in the finale of this season's first leg of the Subway Series. Still in a 4-3 win in 10 innings from the Yanks to secure just their second win in their last 11 contests. The matchup of Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander surely did not disappoint, though, with the pair combining to allow just two runs in 12 innings pitched. With 14 strikeouts and zero walks. Once again, was in the hands of the bullpens, though. Come the seventh inning, this game was completely up for grabs until Brendan Nimmo, he called game in the bottom of the tenth. Nimmo, right field, deep. That sends Bowers way back. Still going back. It's off the wall. Escobar, a slow start at second base. He's being waved in. Here he comes. Nimmo does it. And the Mets walk it off. That call courtesy of ESPN as the dust settles from an exciting couple of days at City Field. The Mets hit a 32 and 26 overall, or not 32 and 26, 26 and 30 overall, and 10 games back of first place in the NL East. While the Yanks are 39 and 30, which is good for third place in the AL East, and nine back of the first place Tampa Rays. Both teams get treated with an off day today before the Mets welcome in the Cardinals and the Yankees head to Boston. The Oakland Athletics. Played a major hurdle for their planned relocation to Las Vegas after final approval was given yesterday to public funding for a portion of a proposed $1.5 billion stadium with a retractable roof. The deal still needs the governor's signature, and MLB still must approve the A's move from California to 
the Las Vegas Strip, but uh, Strip, I should say, but both of those moves are expected. And another weekend of major championship golf to look forward to as well with the 2023 U.S. Open set to get underway today at Los Angeles Country Club. Tea times begin later on this morning at 9.45 a.m. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. Let's catch you up on all the headlines of this morning. Big one, Daniel Penny indicted by a grand jury lower Manhattan in the death of Jordan Neely on a subway train last month. Charges will be unsealed when he's arraigned on the indictment at a later date. He was initially arrested on manslaughter charges in Neely's death. The former Marine was recorded holding Neely, a 30-year-old homeless man, in a minutes-long chokehold on an F train back on May 1st. He did an interview with the Crime Law Crime and Law Network uh, over the weekend, and he said he was doing what just he thought was the right thing to do to protect other people on the F train on that day, May 1st. I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying, saying these threats. I couldn't just sit still. Now, following the indictment, Penny's attorneys pledging to aggressively defend their client. It wasn't just my my client who expresses, you know, how terrified he was by Jordan Neely's actions on the subway train that afternoon. His words and that terror is corroborated by multiple uh, civilian witnesses, innocent bystanders who were mm-hmm. on the train. Many believe the uh, case exposing New York City's failure to address subway safety and mental health. Neely, Jordan Neely, had 45 interactions with mental health people from the city, was still back out on the street. Neely's lawyer says he did never he never got the help that he really needed. uh, uh, And maybe he could have been off the streets if he had. No one on that train asked Jordan, what's wrong? How can I help you? He was choked to death. Instead, so for everybody saying I've been on the train and I've been afraid before and I can't tell you what I would have done in that situation, I'm going to tell you, ask how you can help. Please don't attack. Don't choke. Don't kill. Don't take someone's life. Don't take someone's loved one from them. Some say they worry Penny cannot get a fair trial in New York City because so many people know the story. But Penny's lawyer is actually pushing back against that. They say they want a jury box filled with strap hangers who know what it's like to ride the subway every day and interact with some of these people with mental health issues. Penny claims his actions had nothing to do with race, and he looks forward to defending himself. 551. New York City sending migrants to other cities as the surge rolls on here. Uh, Housing Preservation Commissioner Adolfo Carrion says roughly 1% of new arrivals, by the way, who are still coming into the Port Authority, are being sent to other parts of the state, including White Plains and Albany. The city is providing transportation to these locations where New York City is paying for a number of services at no expense to the local counties. Or cities. Carry on, says New York City, covering all the expenses, encouraging other municipalities to take on what he calls their share of migrants. Some local officials, like those on Long Island, up in uh, Rockland County, Orange County, resisting accepting new arrivals. Other places, it's the opposite. Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan calling for the federal government to expedite work authorization since her city's dealing with their worker shortage. So she welcomes in the migrants, but she wants them to be able to get jobs once they arrive in Albany. So that while they are here awaiting their court date, they are able to legally work. That is a critically important element that we think will help protect them and help our communities. 
The red carpet also out in Westchester County. White Plains Mayor Tom Roach says he's open to talk, taking in his share of migrants, but he also wants to be able to find them jobs so they can take care of themselves. The federal government has taken a long time to talk about immigration reform without doing anything about it. And the consequences are here. And when you're a mayor, when they come, when they're in your city, you have to deal with it. There's no one else. And the other story that continues to be big, at least on the campaign trail in Washington, down at Mar-a-Lago in Florida, is the indictment against former President Donald Trump. Yesterday, Attorney General Merrick Garland defending the special counsel at the center of Donald Trump's federal indictment. It underscores the Justice Department's commitment to both independence and accountability. Garland refusing to comment directly on the case, but he says special counsel Jack Smith is a veteran career prosecutor. He has assembled a group of experienced and talented prosecutors and agents who share his commitment to integrity and the rule of law. Donald Trump, uh, of course, pushing back against this indictment uh, after he returned from the Miami federal courthouse, flew back to Bedminster, New Jersey, held that rally two nights ago. Yesterday, it was Donald Trump Jr. who was defending his dad. He was on Katz and Cosby, and he says he feels like the U.S. is becoming more like a third world country where people in prison, their political opponents. We had a real media uh, rather than just, you know, propagandists for the regime, they'd be calling it out. If this was going on in a third world country, Rita, we'd be talking about invasion to preserve democracy or something like that. But it's happening right here in our backyard. I mean, that's the, I guess the one saving grace is that it's in uh, Miami. You know, they tried doing the nonsense with the stuff up in D.C. initially, but then they eventually have to move it there. But the people of Venezuela, the people of Cuba, those who have escaped those regimes, they see what's going on around here. There's a- and then everybody on the campaign trail trying to figure out, how do we handle this story? Mike Pence isn't sure whether he would pardon former President Trump if he was convicted on federal charges. These are serious charges. And as I said, I can't defend what's been alleged, but the president does deserve to make his defense. Yeah, he says Pence argues uh, that no one knows exactly what Trump's defense will be at. Look, we either believe in our judicial process in this country or we don't. We either stand... By the rule of law, we don't. And back here, we're trying to sort it all out, New Yorkers, whether the Trump indictment, what it means, whether he gets back into the White House or not. He's the one being targeted, basically the guy that they're, they're putting on stage. Bad press is good press. I hope it impacts his campaign a great deal. And the man is just despicable. Of course, Trump calls the charges fake and fabricated. More from New Yorkers who say they're watching this case very closely. I don't think he did much wrong. I think they're just going after him for whatever because they don't want him to be president. I think he did some bad things, but I think the people that are diehard for him are still going to vote for him. So here's the rub in a new poll that's out from Quinnipiac University. Donald Trump is still the Republicans' top voter get, vote getter in this new survey. Quinnipiac University pollster Tim Malloy says Trump leads Florida Governor Ron DeSantis 53 to 30 percent in this latest poll. He's got a solid base. He's not strong with independents. Clearly, Democrats don't like him. It's not locked up in any way. But the uh, downside for Donald Trump is, the, in this poll anyway, in a matchup with Joe Biden, he would lose that race. Very closely followed by him. I've not seen this before. Preserving the democracy in the United States. Americans right now are very afraid of what all this is going to lead to. 
Yeah. Uh, and so in this poll, and of course, it's really early, right? We're far away from the presidential election. But if the two were matched up, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump today, Joe Biden would win in this poll anyway by four percent. And finally, the widow of fallen FDNY firefighter Billy Moon encouraging New Yorkers to become organ donors on what would have been her husband's 48th birthday. I had the honor and privilege to meet Christina Moon. Uh, she teaming up with the FDNY and some of her late husband's organ recipients to encourage people to make that life-saving decision. Becoming an organ donor means you can help save lives. Billy is not only our hero, he's a forever hero to others because he became an organ donor. Check the box, become an organ donor. You might not remember the story, but Moon, a Long Island resident, died last year after falling 20 feet and hitting his head during a drill at his Brooklyn fire uh, firehouse. He was an organ donor, and he saved the lives of five other people, including two retired FDNY members. I mean, it doesn't get any more moving than that. I was desperately in need of a new set of lungs. Billy Moon saved my life. I was an end-stage liver disease. I received Billy Moon's liver, and it saved my life. Yeah, amazing story. Good job by Christina Moon.